Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. Okay, so for now, awkward. Just, just turn to someone next to you and say, "We're not ongemakkelijk raak tonight." Okay, don't get uncomfortable. Because tonight I will talk about sex. Yes, oi. And allemaal is rooi. Because if we don't speak about it at church, who will inform us? Who will shape our thinking? Amen? I'm glad that there's some of the youth here on high school. The youth here is awesome. You get, you get informed and you, this world has gone to the place where you'll get educated on, on sex from from an age of being on the primary school. And the church can't be silent, amen? For parents, it's too awkward to speak about it, so I'll take the job, amen? I guess he's called me. And I know, okay, no. I'm a bit tired today, so I know if, if I just give you the mic, then just continue along the lines I was going. Is that okay? <laughs> I want to talk about love, and, and I wanted to take it down three different rivers, uh, um, marriage, friendship, and church. But I just realized that I'd rather sit on this, the marriage part, the whole evening and just speak on it. This is very important. And it's not relationship month, but I just felt um, it shut down and, and, and you guys are here. And let's talk about something with some substance that you can take home. All right. Who remembers the first time your mom sat you down and said, It's a book. <laughs> Who remembers it? Come on. Gross. <laughs> So here we are again. I'm not going to hand you out a little book. Don't worry. But we're going to talk about a few things. It is extremely important. Extremely important. If you are a disciple of Jesus. And if you are growing as a disciple. That you can reflect in at least broad terms on this topic. You should at least be able to give an account of the faith of why or the reasons why God asked us to do certain things in certain ways, including the biblical view of intimacy. What the Bible calls love and what Hollywood calls love. If it's not the same, then you should be able to give at least an account of what biblically it means to, to be in a loving relationship and how God sees intimacy between a man and a woman. Amen. 
if we can't speak on that, then we are running away from something that's such a part of our life. I mean, if you go and look at most magazines, it's either selling a woman or a man's body, or it's got gossip of someone who took another lover. I mean, it is so into our culture. If we can't speak to it, then we are missing a big portion of this world that we should be able to testify to. Amen? So let's do it. It's not so awkward. Marriage, covenants, and sex. We're talking about that tonight. Or shame. So look at this verse. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now, I'm not going to go into this verse in depth, but typically when the world hears this, they say, uh, told you, God says that sex is bad. God does not love intimacy between a man and a woman. There's the proof. Jesus says you should not even look at a woman with lustful intent. So... That's why you guys are boring. You get that? If it's not said in words, at least it is implied at times. So boring. You going for purity as a single person. You're missing out. Well, let, let's unravel this thing a bit. Firstly, the Bible will make you blush when it comes to the topic of sexual intimacy. Translators often hides away from translating certain scriptures straight over because it will make you blush. All right? Look at this. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife, wife of your youth. A lovely deer, a graceful doe, let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. Now you're telling me that God has got nothing to say about intimacy and that he says it's wrong or bad. No. Are you with me? Be intoxicated always in her love. The Bible is quite clear that God is for intimacy and not just for it, he actually encourages it between a husband and a wife in some very romantic language. Just to um, make it a bit more awkward, this is a verse I usually used to take to my one friend in university. I'll tell him, I think I have a word for you from the Lord. Then I'll give him this verse. Song of Solomon 4 verse 5. Your two breasts are like two fawns, twins of a gazelle that graze among the lilies. Do you tell me that God is not into romance and does not encourage it? The world is so wrong. Amen. So we need to understand then where is the great divine, where is the problem that we are diving into tonight. I want to talk firstly about the fact that marriage is a covenant, what it is. And then I'm going to show you the great, great difference in what the Bible invites us to and what the world wants to rush us to. All right. Matthew 19, verse 5, it says, Therefore man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, 
and the two shall become one. They are no longer two, but one. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. Okay, you get the idea of this joining, right? Listen, let me just say this tonight. Everyone should listen and be educated on this tonight. If you are married, after tonight, you should be able to reflect and celebrate a lot of things in your marriage that maybe you have forgotten. If you are single, take it as a fuel and a vision for your future. Okay? But no one is excluded. Amen? Right. You're called to be one. Malachi 2 verse 14. We're talking about this covenant likeness of a marriage. Because the Lord was witness between you and the wife of your youth, to whom you have been faithless, though she is your companion and your wife by covenant. Covenant. Now, let me just quickly speak on covenant, and then a lot of things will come to light. In the Old Testament, when God was part of a promise, I'm just doing this vaguely, it was called a covenant. All right? A covenant could be made between God and man, and a covenant could also be made between a man and a man, but then God would stand in the middle. All right? For example, God made a covenant with Noah. He said it will never rain as it rained and the flood came back then. And he gave a sign for the covenant, which was a rainbow. All right. David and Jonathan made covenant. Now, what normally would happen in covenant is the two people will, would exchange some things. They would cut one another on the wrist. Don't do it in South Africa. And then they would rub their blood together. They would say, my life is in your hands, your life is in my hands. They would exchange clothes. So when David left the meeting where he made a covenant with Jonathan, he looked like Saul's son. He had Jonathan's sword, his expensive royal clothes, and Jonathan left with, with David's shepherd clothes. There was a total exchange. And the blood was a sign of the fact that until death do them part, this promise would remain. And the Old Covenant or in the Old Testament, there was the blood of animals sacrificed for the sins of man. If you committed a sin, you had to, depending on what the sin was, you brought a different type of animal. All right, um, and then they would kill the animal, and the blood of the animal, there's blood again, would be a sign of your reconnection to God. Are you with me? And then came Jesus, the lamb who was slain, who bled on the cross, and his blood now forever cleans us. So, New Testament, another word for New Testament is New Covenant. The New Covenant is centered in Jesus. We don't bring animals anymore for our sins. Christ was the perfect lamb. That's just some background in covenants. Now in this verse it says, She, your companion, and your wife by covenant. Can you see that? Now, let's go on. It's only in the faith 
when once you connect with Christ, that you understand not only in your mind but in your heart the essence of what a covenant is. It is not possible for someone that does not know Jesus to understand the covenant of Christ. Because it's something that you should not only know, but should have experience in your life and in your spirit. Are you with me? And so when the world explains a covenant, the closest they can get is to a contract. If we can go to the next slide. This is going to make sense in a minute. Don't leave me while we are busy with the academics here. But now, a contract works a bit different than a covenant. A contract is consumer-based. Now, what that means is if I have a very big building company, then I may sign a contract with a company that supply bricks, all right? And we will have a contract. Um, so for the next two years, they can make a lot of bricks, I will buy everything. But if someone should come along with a better offer, a better quality brick, or more quantity for the same price, when my contract is legally over, I will surely sign with a new provider. Are you with me? That's the difference between a contract and a covenant. Because a covenant is eternal. Now think of the implications of having a contractual view in marriage. Are you with me? That's where we're going tonight. It is conditional. When you take that contract view into, into relationship, it is conditional. It's based on feelings, profitability, and performance. As long as you make me feel this way, as long as you perform in certain ways, I will, I will keep our contract in place. But if not, I might move on. Are, are you with me, everyone? What needs to happen between me and this place that delivers the bricks is they need to adjust to my needs. And the things I need for my company, they must adjust or I find another provider. Now, covenant is a bit different. The relationship is more important than my needs, is what covenant says. The relationship is fueled by a promise and not by performance. And the person who enters a covenant relationship says, I will adjust to your needs. Are you with me? Now, if you understand, let's talk about marriage. If you understand marriage from a covenant perspective, Scripture says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. The Bible asks of you to marry another person that loves Jesus and understands covenant so you can have a great relationship. Scripture speaks on that topic. I'm not going to go into it for a long time. It says, if you've met God after you married and your spouse have not met God, remain with them and pray that God will also save them. But essentially what will happen if one person have a covenant view and one person has a contract view, is that the covenant person would say in their spirit, I will adjust to your needs, and the contract person will say, yes, adjust to my needs. And so what you will have is an unequally yoked marriage. The one person will give, and the one will consume. Can you see that? The implications for sexual intimacy is incredible with that. The implications for finances implication of how, what we're going to do with our kids, what we're going to do with our lives. You cannot be unequally yoked 
with unbelievers. I'm laying a foundation and then I'm going to hit this thing home. Now, let's go to the next slide. In a marriage, we're talking about sex here tonight, and love. In a marriage, sex is like a sacrament. What is a sacrament? A sacrament throughout scripture is something you can see, it's something physical that has a hidden or spiritual meaning. All right. For example, uh, you could say the physical thing of the covenant between Noah and God was the rainbow. I've got a sacrament for my marriage with my wife. It's a sign. This is not my marriage. It's just a sign of the marriage. Are you with me? Two New Testament sacraments. We spoke about it, I think, last week. Baptism and communion. Is baptism, as you do it, is it magic water? No. Does the person get saved when you put them under? No. They're just swimming. Unless they have met God inwardly. Romans 6 says, I have died with Christ in my spirit. I have raised to new life. I'm now serving him. Now when you get baptized physically, you are pointing to something inwardly. Are you with me? When you take the bread and the wine, you are saying, oh, Lord, your body, you've forgiven my sins. And just to taste it, I know you are real. But you can eat as many crackers and wine as you want to. You'll not become a Christian by taking communion. Are you with me? I can baptize you 500 times. You're just going to get up and you're going to smack me. Because it's going to mean nothing spiritually. It is to be experienced in the spirit first. Then comes the sign, naturally. Are you with me? Now, if I say that sex is a sacrament, if I say sex is a visible thing pointing to something deeper, then surely we must figure out what the deeper thing is. Otherwise, there's not a lot of meaning in it. And here's the thing. When a man and a woman becomes vulnerable before one another physically, when they become naked and a person can see them, there's no hiding, you are shy. In the beginning when you get married, you're shy of how you look. You're like, kijk om die gordijn, je weet. Go to the gym for six months. Because we are shy, it's okay. It's vulnerable to be exposed before another person physically. It is pointing to what you have done with your life with that person. When you become vulnerable in your marriage bed, you are showing to one another and revisiting the fact that you have become vulnerable to one another in your life. If you meant it, where you go, I will go. Where you go, I will go. 
jouw mensen is mijn mensen. You have become vulnerable to the bone marrow of your life, connecting it to that person. It is amazing. Are you with me? Do you get this? You understand how special this is? Where you go, I will go. Until death do our spot. There is nothing more vulnerable than that. Until death do our spot. Sickness, health, wealth or poorness, I will stick with you. That is what is called the absolute vulnerability in life. And then, in your marriage bed, you are pointing to those truths and it gives substance to what happens physically between the man and the woman and you cannot fake it. Sex only grows on solid ground. The solid ground is the what? Covenant. You and me. We will never part. Now, <laughs> the implications of this is out of this world. This sequence is extremely important. First the reality, then the sacrament. First you meet Jesus, then you get baptized. A baby cannot get saved if you baptize it. You cannot. It's called Christianing in English, to make a Christian. It, it's not biblical. That specific term. You cannot make a person something on the inside by doing something to them to the outside. As jy een mens besnei, maak het om nie een believer. As jy iemand in een swembad gooi, they're not getting saved. Right? It's another thing to consecrate a baby. It's from God. Lord, this is your child. You, you raise up this child in your ways. That's one thing. But then once they come to an inner conviction of Christ, the external sign must be shown. And they must take communion. A marriage where there's no sexual intimacy, it's a very unhealthy marriage. Because what has happened in the heart should be displayed. And that's why the Bible helps us furiously with that. Be enticed by your partner. Love it. Go for it. That's what scripture says. Now, what is the implications of this? Because this is what should help you out there to understand this and to speak on this. When a couple, and sometimes, guys, this is to help you. We, we hear the truth and the Spirit ministers it to our heart and then if we turn to God, He helps us. We're not here to condemn anyone. I was in sexual sin before I came to God. We all work our journey. This is only to give you the truth and to help you. Okay? Is that all right, everyone? Truth is truth. I'm trying to bring this with love. If you engage in sexual intimacy without the reality of a covenant, what you are saying is... What you're communicating, you're not thinking, you're not trying to be rude. Maybe you've been tricked into it. Maybe you didn't know. Um, maybe you misunderstood the scriptures. Maybe you just slipped. Whatever. However you got there, God will help you out of it. Amen? 
what you are communicating is I want you to be physically vulnerable to me. But I'm not willing to be vulnerable with my life to you yet. And it creates a very big gap in the original purpose for sex. And what happens is there's no fulfillment. And so you go on a search. Either with your couple to, for that fulfillment or you have to move on. But the issue is not the sex. The issue is it's not grounded in covenant. Cannot be fulfilled. That's why these people at Hollywood needs to move through partners. It's like crazy. People become like KFC and McDonald's. I'm a consumer. I am looking for something, but you cannot get it. It will not work. It cannot work that way. You leave empty every time. Are you with me? Now, I want to read you something from C.S. Lewis. This is just amazing. The monstrosity, we don't use that word a lot anymore, right? Mens is still in a goeiste. I understand how come you can talk about it. If I don't talk about this, I'm not obedient. The monstrosity of sexual intercourse outside of marriage, listen up, is that those who indulge in it are trying to isolate one kind of union, the sexual, from all other kinds of union which were intended to go along with it and to make up the total union. <laughs> Can you see that? that? That's amazing. You cannot have the fulfillment of the marriage bed without the covenant. They, they go together. They, they, it's just like pulling a tree out of the ground. It cannot survive. It cannot bear sweet fruit. And the more you eat from it, it's not going to change. It's supposed to go along with covenant. And this should be a massive thing for you to understand. Check this out. The New York Times, they go and study marriages. People not getting married anymore in America. Those who do get married, they live together before the time. I'm just trying to figure out how people seize marriage and, and relationships. The, the New York Times trying to do a great job. And what they picked up is they came in with, an, with the idea, is it better for the study to, to live together before you get married, to figure stuff out? And they came to the conclusion that it's not. It was not more profitable for the people to live together before marriage. And as they continued this survey, they came to amazing things that, enlights, that can enlighten us. Listen to this. Both men and women agreed that their standard for a person to live with is lower than the person they want to marry. Listen to it, okay? Both men and women agree that their standard for a person to live with is lower than the person they want to marry. And right now you are living with that person. And they are looking for the upgrade. They are scanning to see if they can do better. 
you are on display. It's crazy. And people do it not with evil thoughts. It's, it's human-like. We want to get the best. Amen? We want to get the best. We want to get the best job. There's nothing wrong with that. God is just inviting us into covenant, which is based on a promise. All right? Some of the people, both men and women said, I feel that the last few years I am marketing myself and sex is part of the audition. <laughs> I cry for that. But that's the truth. Whereas it was intended to celebrate the union that is full and complete and beautiful, it is now a ladder where I must perform and get higher. Incredible. This is devastating to see this. And this is what the young people are dealing with. We've got broken people, broken hearts, both men and women. Marketing themselves so that the person will buy them and take them. Just to summarize that, in the covenant, sex equals a reminder of our love promise, rest, safety, sharing, trusting, vulnerability, and joy. But outside of the covenant, it's performance. Listen, you know the terms out there. You meet someone, one night stand. Person never phones you. What's wrong with me? I did not make the cut. Otherwise, you would have SMSed. That is the treadmill the world is on. Are you with me, guys? Till me. It's measured. It's audition, and it's groundless. The thing about a covenant is it's based on a promise. And what that means is there's times when you don't feel emotionally to be faithful or to help or to, I don't know, take out the garbage, whatever we have to do. At home. We don't always feel that way because we've got emotions, we've got psychology, we've got physiology, we've got magazines, there's all stuff like influences us. But because it's based on a promise, it is a sure thing. Now, if you navigate and love through feelings, negative feelings, okay? If you feel today, yeah, I don't love my wife today. It's a different cookies or what And you navigate through it. Please think of a better example, guys. <laughs> My corpus fried. Um, I don't know. You're frustrated this week. The frustration is in you. You're frustrated with your partner. You're frustrated with your boss. Everything. But you love through it. Hear me out. If you love through or in spite of feelings, you develop deeper feelings. If you love through negative feelings, you develop deeper feelings. And I will show it to you. Lynette, why are you so? Three kinders, right? 
So your kid turns one. Only thing they've done. Mark nappies fail. Drink and mark bottles fail. Ras. Oh, you already slap it. They do nothing for you. Nothing. You can't practice your hobby anymore. You don't sleep anymore. It feels like you don't read the Bible anymore. You are so tired of the kids hanging on you. You don't want your husband to come close. I mean, you are just... Ugh. But a mother-child and a father-child is also a covenant-like relationship. Okay? You ask a parent how they feel about that child. They will cry while they explain their love. That child has done nothing. You see, it is not about transactions. It's about a covenant. You love your wife through it and you grow in depth. It is at that place where God is just going to help this man grow in depth that he leaves his wife. It's at that place where God wants to help this woman just grow in such a depth and love for him and her husband where she goes. Not with covenant people. Not with us. It is in the security of a covenant where you share a marriage bed with someone and you are fulfilled. It cannot be separated. That, that what happens physically is immense spiritual. I want to show it from Scripture as well. Does it make sense tonight, guys? We must talk about this. I don't, it's not that easy for me. But thanks for having grace. Jylle lacht om so vir my grappies. So now and then. Ek het brandewein nodig gehad in hierdie glas vir vanavond. The consumer lover, I want to read you a story. Now, Amnon is one of David's sons. And he um, falls in love with one of David's daughters. And uh, it says in the Bible that his, his heart grew sick with love for her. Save us from crazy. Okay. I mean, this guy is hectic attracted to this girl up to the point that he can bear it no more on facebook it's harkis harkis love you best in the world you are awesome that that's what happening here and he says to the people listen what i'm going to do is i'm going to fake that i'm sick organize my sister tamar to come and give me food i i just need to be with her that's the background here then Amnon said to Tamar, those are the two characters, bring the food into the chamber that I may eat from your hand. And Tamar, at that stage, she doesn't know what's going on here. She took the cake, the cakes she had made and brought them into the chamber to Amnon, her brother. But when she brought them near to him to eat, he took hold of her and said to her, come, lie with me, my sister. 
She answered him, no, my brother, do not violate me. Okay, he's asking her to, to, to have sexual intimacy. That's what's happening there. Do not violate me, for such a thing is not done in Israel. Do not do this outrageous thing. As for me, where could I carry my shame? As for you, you would be as one of the outrageous fools in Israel. Now therefore, please speak to the king, for he, is, he will not withhold me from you. Let's do this right, Amnon, please. But he would not listen to her, and being stronger than she, he violated her and lay with her. Can you see how the Bible translators also just shy away from saying exactly what happens? I a krach. That's what happened. Because he was stronger than her. Okay? It's not a covenant. It's not two people yielding their lives. It's one person being a consumer. Amen? You see that? Now, the very next verse. Then Amnon hated her with a very great hatred. Wow. You see that? So that the hatred with which he hated her was far greater than the love with which he had loved her. And Amnon said to her, get up and go. But she said to him, no, my brother, for this is wrong in sending me away is greater than the other thing that you did to me. But he would not listen to her. He called the young man who served him and said, put this woman out of my presence and bolt the door after her. Can you see that? Consumer. She didn't make the cut and he hated her. That's not God's heart for you and that's not God's heart for me. He's inviting us into covenant with his safety and love and care. He wants you to enjoy safety and vulnerability. He wants you to feel covered in nakedness. Amen? That is God's heart. In Song of Solomon, we get an opposite story. We get a story of a man who waits. I love Song of Solomon. At least once a year, I want to I preach something from it. What happens at a certain stage is this woman comes to the man in the night, but they're not married, and he, and he sends her away. He says, no, we cannot do this. Okay? And then they get married in this chapter. All right? and, and this is what he says of this woman after the marriage happened and they were sexual intimate, okay? Now, see how this differs from Amnon, the previous example. Um, Song of Solomon 4 verse 7. Next one, please. Awesome. I just want to say about this girl, I don't know who of you remember it, but she was not a very attractive girl outwardly. Who remembers that? This is a very great book. Um, she had sunburn. Go read in the first few verses of Song of Solomon. I don't have a good skin. I'm dark. My brother sent me into the fields and she was burned. They did not have SPF 70. Okay. So she was sunburned. She was not outwardly beautiful. 
right? She was shy. She, she was hiding her face. But now, look at this. You are altogether beautiful, my love. There is no flaw in you. That's covenant speaking. Can you see that? You have captivated my heart, my sister, my bride. You have captivated my heart with one glance of your eyes, with one jewel of your necklace. How beautiful is your love? You see, he's connected to her in a deeper sense than just her body. How beautiful is your love? My sister, my bride, how much better is your love than wine and the fragrance of your oils than many spice? That is what God is inviting you to. And the invitation will always be available. It does not matter where you find yourself today. This awaits for you if you turn to God today. God had to heal me because before I knew him, I ruined myself on this area and he healed me and he purified my eyes. He gave me back my innocence. A lot of us here has got that testimony. He is faithful. So you have not disqualified yourself from receiving God's grace. I want to make that very clear. Amen? If you are still breathing, then you can experience this covenant. There is nothing like it. There is nothing like this. Where do we get this? Where do we see this? Where does it all come together? Romans 5 verse 8. But God shows His love for us. That in while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by His blood much more, Shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God? You know what that means? Is that God not only will save anyone that calls to him, but by his blood he will wash and purify any and every area of your life, even the area where those sexual hurts exist, those dark rooms. He will help with that. And sort it out. That is his promise. But while we were still his enemies, he comes and he covenants with us. He says, I'll give myself unto death. And through that, he teaches you how to love another human by experiencing this. You marry someone that does not know Jesus, you are playing Russian roulette with your life. You are taking the greatest risk. And I would strongly advise you not to do that. If he does not understand covenant through the love of Jesus, it will be so difficult for him to lay down his life. And so that is the country where sex lives. It lives in the reflection of a reality of lives that is naked before one another. Lives that is vulnerable. And that is why some people that is married for 40 years will tell you 
that sex is even more fulfilling than when they were young. Because the greater the revelation of these lives that grow together, the greater they experience it in their marriage bed. Amen. And that is the sex talk. <laughs> Let's stand up tonight. What we have to ask one another on this is, so what is the, what is the practical application of this information for me at work? I mean, what do I take from this when I walk out of this building? To go and throw these facts on someone out there that does not know God would probably only hurt them. I would suggest the following. If there's people in your life that you know are doing this the wrong way around, I can guarantee you one thing. They are hurting right now. And they need a friend. They need someone that's there for them, that cares for them, that does not measure them, that does not make them feel that they are on display being marketed. But someone who just loves them like a friend. We're getting to friendship next week, okay? So the application of this is allow your heart to mourn for what has happened to sex in this world. Allow your heart to mourn and may there be prayers and love and care and support so that if someone comes one day and say, pray for me, then you have already been there with love and support. That is the heart of us. If you are married, every time you are intimate, you are re-establishing that union. Remember that. It's beautiful. Celebrate it. It's awesome. If you are single, remain pure. If you feel you're in a place where you have not remained pure, come to Him. He will wash you. Tonight He will forgive you. I won't ask anyone to put up their hands. Don't worry. When we see the truth, we can walk into it from dark corners. So don't stay in a place where you say, oh, but these people are so perfect. Listen, we're not. Your pastor is here, okay? But when I see truth, I tend to long to walk into it. Do the same. Talk to someone get to a small group leader, someone you trust and prepare yourself to be blessed in this area of your life. The world will never experience what believers in covenant experience in the area of sex. They can make how many movies? Pfft. Boring. So Father, we just invite you healer who comes to save not here to push away, but to reel us in. Not here to say, ah, no. Here to give a future. Not here to say to anyone, you've used all your chances. No. But to say there's hope for whosoever would come to me. 
And I just want everyone to close their eyes for a moment and just internalize what tonight means for you. Just, just take it into your heart and open your heart. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'll open hearts. thinking I want to tell you he loves you so much he is for you if you're not sure if you are married today and you're not sure whether you are carrying baggage from previous sin get someone and say listen I just want to repent of this again because it's it's in my mind maybe I've not dealt with it ask God for forgiveness what's done is done You are welcome in this place. Lord, help us in this town. Help us this week. Lord, in every area of our life. Not just to sing songs. Not just to to quote uh, verses and post it on Facebook. But to be able to speak from a godly worldview on issues such as this. Take us deeper. Take us further. In the name of Jesus. Amen.